Welcome to the Strategy Driven Podcast, the big picture of business, when the next recession is coming. On behalf of the entire Strategy Driven team, I would like to welcome you to this edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast, the big picture of business when the next recession is coming. The Strategy Driven Podcast focuses on the tools and techniques executives and managers can use to improve their organization's alignment and accountability to ultimately achieve superior results. These podcasts elaborate on the best practice and warning flag articles found on the Strategy Driven website at www.strategydriven.com. In this episode, Hank Moore, corporate strategist and author of The Business Tree, shares with us his insights on the marketplace markers that signal a recession start and the timing of the next American recession. In this podcast, we'll explore the recessionary opportunities presented to businesses and what leaders can do to prepare for the future economic downturn and to take advantage of its business opportunities. So now, Without any further delays, let's get started. We are privileged to be joined by Hank Moore, corporate strategist and author of The Business Tree. Hank has advised more than 5,000 client organizations worldwide, including 100 of the Fortune 500, public sector agencies, small businesses and not-for-profit organizations. He has advised two U.S. presidents and spoken at five economic summits. Hank guides company leaders through the development of growth strategies, visioning, and strategic planning readying them to navigate the big-picture issues profoundly affecting today's business climate. The business tree is his trademarked approach for growing, strengthening, and evolving business while mastering change. Hank, welcome back to the Strategy Driven Podcast. It's nice to be visiting with you again. Glad to have you back on the show. This topic is extremely timely. And I know it's on the forefront of everybody's mind, economic conditions being what they are today. I know we have a lot of excited listeners that are interested in getting your thoughts on when the next recession is coming. But first, I wanted to start out with the, quote, great recession is still at the forefront of our thinking. Now, I know economists cite that based on, on number crunching, that the recession started back in December of 2007 and, and really officially ended in June of 2009. But I wanted to ask you, regardless of the math, do you see us as having truly exited the recession? And then what markers do you look for to call a recession over? Um, yes, I think we have exited the current recession. Uh, recessions tend to go in cycles. Uh, I am already predicting the next one for seven years from now. 
but we can talk about that later. Uh, I mean, they t- generally tend to go in 10-year cycles. I think the next one is going to be a little sooner. I think that business can do a lot of the things that it takes to keep that push back a little more. I mean, obviously, uh, to say there'll never be another recession is not true because things tend to go in cycles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that the current recession that we're coming out of um, uh, was longer in the making. Um, according to, I mean, in my estimation, where were the original makings of that recession? Uh, I can trace it all back to 1984. Oh, okay. With the okay. deregulation of banking. I mean, I mean, again, you know, my perspective, as you know, is big picture strategy. Uh, your your perspective is strategy also. Too often, folks want to look at the micro niche aspect, and of course, that's that's a common thread that, in you and I, in our discussions and articles, are always getting people to look at the strategy and then at the micro niches as part of the strategy rather than as the whole of the strategy. So having said all of that, I think that uh, good, focused businesses will keep themselves, they'll pull themselves out of the the current economic uh, crisis, but but they'll be looking at more than just crisis mode. They'll be Mm -hmm. looking at not only survival but thriving. I mean, there's a lot of uh, safeguards that can be put in place as part of the planning. I think of the companies listening to this podcast and really thinking about what is it going to take to 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 recover. You, what you really need to be thinking about is what is it going to take to plan and grow in the future. And of those companies listening listening in, who don't do any planning, forty five percent of them will be out of business in the next five years. And that's 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 just it's not right. A lot of good businesses, a lot of small businesses during the recession. I think the last time that we talked. Uh, I said, and I really believe that, that probably 25% of the businesses that went out of business probably should have because they weren't fully grounded in business reality. Mm-hmm. But I think of these people that are listening now thinking about growing, I think probably 25% of those that are going to grow and recover are going to grow more robustly than they think they are right now. It's always a little dark right before the dawn and dark dust, so to speak, but uh, the the warning signs of the recession had been coming for many, many, many years. I think the beacons for recovery are a lot brighter than people think. And economists, again, economists, we have to remember, are not experts on business. Uh, you and I are, and some of some of the the folks listening in are, but. Business strategy is so much more than economics. I mean, business is not an academic uh, study. It's not just Mm -hmm. a bunch of numbers management. It's really focusing back on customers and new products and new ways of delivering service. A lot of times it's just focusing on old products but freshly delivered. So, I mean, the signs are all there that there's great opportunity. The real question that I keep posing is, what do we do 
to maximize those opportunities. The biggest problem that too many small businesses have is more opportunities than they know what to do with, so they uh, uh, tend to squander some of those opportunities. And I think with planning and strategy, we want to try to use most of those opportunities rather than lose them. I agree. I really particularly like your comment about some of the businesses that were shedding through a recession as not being grounded in, in the strong fundamentals. I think back when you said that immediately to the Internet bubble and how we had businesses cropping up overnight with, with no business plan, no, no fundamental business framework, maybe some great ideas, but just not grounded in the reality well, research tells us that only 1% of the businesses on the Internet actually make money. Yeah. I mean, a lot of Internet is still a uh, uh, an illustrated brochure. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of educational websites or informational. I don't know that I would call some of it educational. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of people that are doing communication things on the Internet, but that doesn't mean they're real businesses. I mean, the the first bubble that I was warning about uh, was the uh, the dot com bust back in the late nineties, mm-hmm. and I was I was advising hundreds of technology companies, and they they all kept saying, "Hey, the 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 protocols of the old guys don't apply to us," and good business protocols really do apply to everybody. I think the encouraging thing about coming out of the current recession. Too many of us, most of us, have learned how to make do with less. We've learned how mm-hmm. to be lean and mean, and there's a whole management strategy about that, lean management. That's one of the, the tenets of, of total quality management. And once we learn some of those lessons, we hope that folks won't forget them. That's why I write the articles for, for Strategy Driven that I do. That's why you do some of the podcasts, Bringing on Thought Leaders, is to simply remind people the old ways aren't going to make it anymore, and the new strategies, if they pursue them vigorously, they're going to have even better results than they think. But you know, unless you pursue, the, pursue those strategies, you're going to fall back into the same mindsets that brought us to recession. Absolutely. Now, Hank, you mentioned, of course, that recessions are typically cyclical, mm-hmm. and, and I, I frequently hear 10 years, just as, as you yeah. had mentioned. 10 to 12 years. Mm-hmm. Are there certain drivers that you see as prompting the start of a recession that may make it occur a little earlier, a little later? That's what I'm warning about now with the next one. Mm-hmm. I'm predicting the next one in seven years. I certainly hope. Uh, to high heaven that it doesn't happen. I think good businesses, but some of those some of those things that are going to bring the next one on uh, variations of what number one running business in fantasy land. You know, if you're not selling something, if you're not having a real viable business, uh, it's not a business. Uh, I I would ca- caution a lot of people that got into business in this economic downturn. Getting into business is not something one does in fantasy land. You can't turn a hobby into a business. You can't uh, just do something in business uh, 
uh, as an in-between job situation. I think as more people get working, they'll get out of the entrepreneurial workforce and they'll get back into real jobs. So, so I think some of the people that are living in fantasy land right now are doing so. Uh, and I think the next thing that, that we really need to be looking at is waves of re-regulation and deregulation. Uh, in my professional opinion, the only major industry that has benefited from deregulation is telecommunications and it's created a, lot, a number of wonderful uh, big and cottage industries as a result but what you're going to what one of the things we need to be looking at over the next uh, three or four years and this is not a political statement i wish people would take regulation and deregulation out of the political spectrum uh, there are going to be waves of re-regulating if it makes sense, if it's in the best interest of the public. I think we all want to travel on airlines that are regulated to be safe. I mm -hmm. think we all want to do business with with companies that are environmentally efficacious. Those are regulations that are in the public interest. And I think the hope is we want to make sure that when things are re-regulated, they're in the consumer's best interest, they're, that they're not knee-jerk political uh, reactions. Uh, I think the, the, thing, the next thing that's going to bring along the next recession uh, sooner, and I hope it doesn't happen, is an ill-informed marketplace or inaction by the public. You know, a lot of, the, mm -hmm. a lot of us, every one of us, uh, really need to claim a little bit of blame for the last recession. I think, uh, I, I think there were too many lack of safeguards in action by the public, too much speculation, you know, by the ego-driven. You know, a lot of people in the dot-com bust days were worshiping uh, oh, oh, they must be doing something right. The end runs of the world and those companies. Oh, we worship their their seeming monetary success, but we didn't make them accountable enough. So I think that you know that pendulum of worshiping and lack of safeguards. I think that pendulum is going to be moving back to the the middle, and I think that one thing that I sincerely believe is coming has come out of the last recession is a little bit more attention to accountability. Mm -hmm. I mean, too much of our society uh, a few years ago when things were fat and happy, we were a society that did not support and did not reward accountability. Well, the corporate scandals of a few years ago taught us that we really need to be a little more accountable. And I think the businesses that move forward, both the big ones and the small ones, uh, I strongly recommend get that ethics statement out there. You don't have to spend a long time developing it. Just develop it. Get those accountability methods in place. Learn how your employees, how if you're going to make do with less resources, how are you going to do it? Who's going to be responsible for what? Um, the more that those accountability measures are put in place, I think we're going to be in better shape. I agree. And what I like to see that go along with the accountability measures is the reinforcement. Mm -hmm. And what I encourage folks to remember is that when I talk about accountability and reinforcement, I see a small fragment of that as being the negative. I see a larger segment of that as being the positive. 
Absolutely. Accountability yeah. is a good thing. Diversity yeah. is a good thing. Absolutely. And, and we need to, to reward that in our businesses, in the marketplace, to, to further encourage that high degree account of accountability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are some good, some other trends that people need to look at that 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 indicate that things are are getting better. Uh, consumer credit surged by uh, 19.3 billion in just in the last couple of months. Uh, the the labor market is showing a little more strength. Jobless claims. Uh, down and, and we can one can debate whatever the reason of that. Um, a labor turnover survey um, rose only uh, 2.5 percent. In other words, that's dropped, and that's an issue. I mean, if mm-hmm. you're a labor, you're, you're you're having less turnover in your company. You, that means that your employees are more committed to the company. It's not that they just need a job. It means they're more loyalty loyal to the company. And that means if more loyalty occurs, there's less trade industry secrets stolen. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, you know, loyalty is a good thing. Empowerment of employees is a good thing. Inflation is slowing down this year to probably the first time in four years. So all those are those are good, uh, you know, good trends. Uh, the GDP is going to be averaging uh, uh, just under a two percent pace. I mean, there are the, the the warning signs of of bad have are going away. The encouraging signs of good are coming back. Okay. Well, Hank, we've talked about the coming recession and the likelihood that it would occur in about seven years. Could you elaborate on that, and, and what are the, the markers that you're looking for or, or that you think you'll be seeing in, in the six- to seven-year time frame that are going to be preceding when that recession is, is going to start taking hold? Corporate America is going to start going back to its old ways. Uh, they have this attitude of, well, once the crisis is over, we can go back to spending lavishly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I really wish they wouldn't do that. Uh, you know, there are new ways of doing business in the future. Entrepreneurs get it. Corporate America still doesn't. Uh, I think that uh, one of the good markers that came out of this recession, one of the good benchmarks, was this concept of collaborations, partnering, and joint venturing, which I've been preaching for many years. Uh, it's taking hold, even with the big companies. Uh, uh, in in the healthcare sector, for example, uh, you're you're starting to see more and more collaborations that never took place. Uh, I've been working this year with uh, uh, some large university systems that are uh, suddenly getting into the retail healthcare business. And they're partnering with community organizations like mm-hmm. you wouldn't believe. That, that, you know, if the big corporations will keep thinking that way, we're going to be in better shape. Yes. And really, it's a way of thinking that entrepreneurs have had to do. 
It's, a, it's just a matter of fact. I mean, I love small businesses. I never miss an opportunity, and I'll take this opportunity to pat small business on the on, on the back. Uh, other, you know, 99.7% of all small business starts are small business. One thing you're starting to see over the last year, uh, and you'll see over the coming year, is the failure rate of small businesses, which used to be uh, – 20% per year reducing. Um, so in other words, when I talked about that percentage of businesses that went out of business probably should have anyway, mm-hmm. that's an indicator. But what you're starting to see is the number of small business starts that are taking are really increasing. And depending on, on whose research you believe, I mean, uh, Harvard Business School says that the small business starts uh, uh, the ones that are taking are probably 17 to 20 percent higher than they were in good economic times. So if that's an indication that those of us who have had to make do uh, with less and learn how to be lean and mean, you're going to be a better business as a result of it. Uh, another one of the trends that I'm that I really think. Uh, we really need to pay better attention to is workplace illiteracy. I don't think we talked about that last time, but we've got, you know, a whole host of, cons- of situations, and, and not just uh, nationally, but, but internationally. Um, uh, research tells us that 60% of the American population is presently functionally illiterate. Wow. And that Fifty percent of corporate America is functionally illiterate. That should be scary. Now, is education, is everybody going online, getting a degree online, the answer to it? Uh, Part of the answer. The bigger answer is what they're teaching. Uh, Research tells us that uh, the American workforce needs three times the amount of training uh that it's presently getting in order to be competitive much less to move forward and training i think you and i define as uh developing critical thinking skills developing management and leadership skills developing accountability skills you know it's more than what a lot of people who sell training I mean, a lot of the vendors who peddle the same old training it's not just about selling more products it's entering new marketplaces. So I think that the training industry and and, and the, the whole professional education industry has to upgrade and meet some of those changes and challenges, and they are. They, they really are. Yeah. You know, I, I was uh, speaking at a conference at Temple University in Philadelphia mm-hmm. uh, a few months back, and uh, actually it was an economic summit they were hosting it. It wasn't just their conference. And part of the honor was being introduced on stage by Bill Cosby. Ah, yeah. He is a, a Temple graduate. A lot of people see him in interviews wearing a Temple sweatshirt. And about halfway through introducing me, I was the opening speaker at this economic summit. And he, about halfway through the introduction, he said, Hey, wait a minute. I introduced you before. And I said, Yeah, it was back in 98. Uh, I was the warm-up act for Colin Powell, and everybody laughed. But but that was at the 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 summit that Bill Clinton had put on 
for nonprofit, and that's all we talked about at that summit was community give back and and becoming that if you become a leader in business, it makes you more valuable to your company and that and the community. And that's another topic we can talk about another time. How the business leader as community leader uh, is a really valuable thing. But 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 going back, the comment I made. At, at the economic summit, and it got a, a, a thunderous applause. I said, you know what? If uh, traditional academia had been doing its job, we wouldn't see uh, this plethora of online education companies. Some of them are not real universities, and they were just thundering. You know, yes. Point being that traditional academia can't just put people in seats anymore that they are developing. And in fact, uh, Temple University and Stanford and Wharton have adopted my business tree, which is you know one of my books, as you know, mm-hmm. as yes. the basis for business continuing education. So what, what I'm saying that we need, some institutions are now doing, but unfortunately they were prompted to make these changes. I've been advocating better uh, professional education for the last 25 years, and a lot of a lot of academics wouldn't listen. You know, they mm-hmm. wanted to keep teaching the same old stuff. And I think some of these entrepreneurship programs that are going on right now are terrible. I mean, all they're teaching yeah. you to do is how to read a balance sheet. You know, for people in small businesses and entrepreneurs, they should be putting more emphasis on customer focus on customer service, on, 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 on how you actually retool your core business. It's not just about balance sheets and marketing. But, so that's right. part of my concern is that professional education is still teaching those same tired, evergreen topics. But others are innovating now. And they're they're doing you know, and I think with all a lot of these online webinars and I mean there's a lot of good professional education emerging. Good professional education is going to produce a better uh, business, uh, uh, you know, constituency. Mm-hmm. And I think a better business constituency is going to stave off the next recession. That's the main. That's why we're we're having this conversation, is to try and encourage people to think a little more strategically. If they do so, they're going to ward off trouble, and they're going to stave off the next recession. So, Hank, is there a, an opportunity here for a business to enter into maybe relationships with institutions of, of higher education to d- help develop their talent? Uh, would that that were true. <laughs> uh, can we say the PhD syndrome? Can we? I uh, know I've uh. had uh, academia has t- turned a deaf ear. You know, okay. it, it, that's the problem. I think that the best opportunities are where the uh, uh, the universe, the uh, the companies team up with area business groups and chambers of commerce, that's what's starting to happen. Again, going back to collaborations, partnering, and joint venturing, uh, I've, I've been involved in, in some efforts with a group called the Women's Business Enterprise Association with minority supplier councils around the country, uh, with uh, women's chambers of commerce, Asian chamber of commerce, uh, and uh, uh, I'm, I've, I'm getting ready to speak again 
again, the last time I spoke at the Asian Chamber of Commerce about a year ago, I got a standing ovation. And one of the things I'm going to tell them this this time around is that they've got that they've got to think of themselves as a global business advocacy group. They're not just a cultural and arts organization. And and I, and so I think that's I, I I really wish traditional academia would get it and realize they need to change, but I don't think it's going to happen. Okay. You know, it, it's just yeah. I, I I have delivered commencement addresses for for business schools around the country and will and will continue to do so. And I don't I don't hit academia quite as hard as I am in this conversation. But, um, you know, the answer is not business. Business school education is so, is, is so lacking in many areas. Uh, you know, I mean, I, you know, if, if, if all I learned in college when I was at the University of Texas at Austin in the 1960s, all I was taught was those same old tired topics that they're teaching now. And the reason that I started writing books and developing an original body of knowledge, I mean, I have, uh, you know, 150 professional articles out there. There are a lot of consultants in business that don't even have one. You know, you right. published some of them. Uh, right. Some other websites have put them. And, of course, obviously they're in books, by the way. Uh, the Chinese edition of my business tree book just came out, and it's already blown and going in in China. And I've been saying for 20 years that that the market for my, you know, business insights is probably greater outside of the United States. You know, that's the other problem that business education faces: this unwillingness to change, and they're still teaching the same old tired stuff. But uh, professional associations are starting to give more than they can. You know, I mean, it's just sources of education are not in traditional academia. You know, but they're from many other unexpected sources. So that's a really good thing that 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 advocacy groups are stepping up to the plate. Excellent. Well, Hank, I wanted to ask you what opportunities. Do you see recessions as presenting to businesses? And I know that probably strikes some of our listeners as uh, maybe being an, an odd question, but I look at downturns as not just being a time to weather the storm, but as an opportunity to further improve the organization. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I mean, it's just uh, you, you understand that you got to, from the recession you learned, if you didn't plan before, you jolly well should now. I mean, I still have to remind people that only 2% of the businesses in America really have a plan. That means 98% do not. That's an opportunity. If we learn from the business crises, we're going to not be as likely to repeat them. Uh, research tells us that we learn three times more from failure than we do from success. And if we really study what we, not only what we did wrong, our companies did wrong, but more importantly what our competitors did wrong, that's one of the first things that I have clients look at in the strategic planning process. You know, you want to you want to look at, at and then. You know, you want to look at what you did right. I have another concept called three rights offset or wrong. I don't think too many, 
that small businesses are cutting themselves enough, uh, giving themselves enough credit for what they've done right. So I think that one thing that we can find coming from all of the doom and gloom that we've all been through the last three years is we don't want to be tied to seasonality in business just because our core business product was one in one area doesn't mean it always has to be maybe mm-hmm. it's an opportunity to think uh think a little differently uh maybe it's time to think a little more globally so i mean the 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 the, the bad brush strokes of the last three years have painted more opportunities to move forward and we don't want people to be you know i would encourage people not don't be blindsided by erstwhile competition biggest competition that most companies have had in a tight economic picture is not someone else who purportedly does the same thing that that our company did. The biggest competition was doing nothing. A lot of companies went by with, and, and by the way, that's another previous book that I wrote called "The High Cost of Doing Nothing." But 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 that's uh, that's biggest. Uh, you hear people all the time saying, "Well, we uh, we couldn't." do project A, project B, project C uh, because of cutbacks, then you have to understand the opportunity cost of, of market share that they might have lost by doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you say, well, you can't afford to do some projects. Can you afford not to? Those are some of the lessons, I think, moving forward. It's not to say uh, things will get better. It's to ask the pointed question, what are we going to do to make sure that they get better? How are we going to benchmark the progress when we see it? How are we going to avoid sliding backward? Backward, And the answer to all of that, of course, is strategic planning and accountability. And that means that every employee of every company uh, needs to upgrade and update their uh, job description. You know, most employees don't have one. Okay. So if they don't have if they don't have a plan, and if the company doesn't have a plan, you're going to get more of the same disappointing results. And I think that in a in an economy moving forward, every success is going to beget another success. I I have nothing but optimism over the next couple of years. The only thing I would say is if you plan and you strategize, then you're not going to slide backward. And there will be companies that that just want to stay the same. They don't want to change. Well, staying the same is sliding backward. I see really great opportunities over the next couple of years, but you've got to make your opportunities. You can't just be handed them. Absolutely. And and if you're not preparing for the opportunities today, Mm -hmm. then really they'll never materialize into opportunities tomorrow because when they are going to appear – you're not ready to do anything. And so then they really aren't opportunities. And the, and we need to hasten the preparation and also hasten the recognizing of the opportunities. You know, too many times we, we recognize opportunities in hindsight. Uh, that's what High Cost of Doing Nothing was about. It took mm-hmm. the premise that American business spends six times more than it should every year catching up. 
doing Band-Aid surgery, making up for bad work. I mean, and that, that all gets into quality management and other issues. But human beings are not perfect. None of us do everything right on the front end. And that six times, by the way, is an average. Uh, that, okay. that, that business as a whole spends. It, it, it varies. Uh, the highest percentage is in health care. I mean, we can all go to the dentist twice a year or mm-hmm. we can let our teeth rot. We can go get checkups periodically or we can pay higher costs or society will pay higher costs. So the highest statistic of doing all the wrong things for the wrong reasons and what your opportunity costs are is in the healthcare arena. And that's it. And in, in, in other kinds of businesses, oh my gosh, the, uh, uh, the, the highest failure rate of any business uh, category is the restaurant industry. We're talking about a mm-hmm. failure rate, 90% of all new uh, uh, of, of restaurant concepts die because oh. of bad planning, bad strategy. They probably never had the right kind of food to begin with. <laughs> They'd never had the right kind of service yes. to follow up. So, so that, that, that's another thing that we need to study is if we study the failure rates of other industries, we're not going to be as likely to make the same mistakes. And that's the fundamental aspect of planning. I mean, I would like people listening to this to take to not think of planning as a punishment, to not think of planning as some academic exercise that only the privileged few do. It's it's a lot of common sense and it's a lot of accountability. And the process of going through it is not like getting your teeth drilled. It can be a really revealing, exciting process. And that's, that's the main thing. It's just, you know, doing things that are good for our business don't have to hurt. Yes. Yeah, the, the, and sometimes it's, it's the journey, and it's very appealing. It yeah, it's eye-opening. And, and, the, and the journey is where you, the other word that, I, that I'd uh, add in here is stakeholder. I think that most businesses have never nurtured their base of stakeholders like they ought to. And one of the things that comes along in a down economy, in a recession, is you find yourself partnering with and making friends with and benefiting from stakeholders that you never would have had anything to do with in better economic times. So I don't think that it's necessarily wrong uh, to be in a constant uh, planning mode. Planning is not a terrible thing. Uh, Preparing, you know the old the old phrase, expect the worst, and uh, you know prepare for for the worst and expect the best. That's planning. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. In fact, uh, I advocate that we have to plan not just for the best or various shades of the best, but we absolutely have to plan for the worst. Well, and that's so, true. And, yeah. and for example, uh, another another topic, but you know, crisis management and preparedness. You know, a mm-hmm. crisis is not necessarily a building exploded, uh, it, it, you know, or a, uh, or a cruise ship sinking. I mean, those crises that we read about the paper. For a small and mid-sized business, a crisis could be a sexual harassment lawsuit. Mm-hmm. 
a crisis that, that affects the bottom line of the company could be a cash shortfall of a major supplier. Uh, two of your clients uh, merge, so you're going to lose pieces of business. Being dependent on uh, certain customers, and, and those customers are now paying in a much longer cycle than they used to. Those are real uh, crises that beset small and mid-sized businesses every single day. And the research tells us that if you do your crisis scenario planning, I advocate uh, a process of, uh, of uh, preparedness, so to speak. If you, and, and, and I recommend when I do planning with clients, we look at what we do scenario planning for what some of those worst crises are. And I ask that, that we plan for a crisis in the areas of my business tree, branch one, core business, branch two, running the business, branch three, financial, branch four, people, and branch five in the area of business development. So if we scenario plan crises in each of those five major categories, research tells us that companies that plan for the crises, if that's part of their planning, 85% of the time they will avert the crisis. So the actual planning is a tool to ward off the crisis from happening. And the next, the major crisis that we're trying to ward off is the next recession. Absolutely. Hank, before uh, I close, I thought I'd just recap what we've talked about in our conversation. Sure. We started out talking about first the Great Recession and that we've exited and we're uh, a growing economy again, that you see going forward that there'll be a movement toward re-regulation and driving higher levels of accountability throughout the marketplace. We see an opportunity for improvements in the area of professional literacy, that there's another opportunity for business leaders to do learning from this past recession, both from an introspective perspective, learning from their own mistakes and what they did well, as well as looking outside of their organization and taking the lessons learned both from a shortfalls and a benefits perspective from competitors or even from other industries. And finally, we've talked about planning and the need to do good quality planning, planning that plans for the best planning that plans for the worst or, or crisis situations, and that it was through that planning that we really will ultimately be much better prepared for the next recession when it happens, which you mentioned you believe will be about seven years from now. Yes, and if we do all of those proactive things, we will ward it off. By the way, the economy as a whole uh, you know, different sectors and different industries may not enter the next recession as soon. Good companies could push it back two or three years. And that's what we're trying to do, mm -hmm. is to push back the next levels of crisis by predicting them and preparing for them. And if we do that, 85% of the time, we'll deflect the crisis from occurring. Absolutely. And, and our companies then will be that much better off for having done it. Absolutely. Well, Hank, I want to thank you not only for your time, but for sharing your insights on when the next recession is coming 
and then the actions business leaders should take to position their organizations to effectively prepare and then when the time comes to push back on the next Absolutely. financial downturn. Been my pleasure to visit with you as usual. I'm looking forward to our next podcast show. Good deal. Thank you, Hank. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast. I would like to personally thank Hank Moore for being with us today and sharing his insights on preparing for the next economic recession. As always, we would appreciate receiving your feedback by email at podcast at strategydriven.com. If you enjoyed the show, please consider recommending us on iTunes and visiting our website at www.strategydriven.com. You can find more information about Hank Moore and the business tree at www.hankmoore.com. Until next time, so long.